A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 to 43. As they were talking about these things, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, historical eyewitness word to our hearts and minds. This morning, what I want us to do is to go into this home, this room with these disciples, to go in there with all of your struggles, with your doubts, with your sin, with your temptations, with your feelings of remorse and guilt for your failures. I want us to go in there with these men and women. Many of those men who on Thursday night kept falling asleep when Jesus said, stay awake and pray. With Peter who was there, who out loud three times publicly denied even knowing Jesus. I want us to be with them in this room and notice how the Lord treated them. Spoke to them. To notice what He said to them and to everybody who belongs to Him. Touch me. Look at it. Feel the holes in my hands. Get rid of your doubts. Believe. Most importantly, peace. Peace to you. And so I say, to every sinner who believes this good news of Jesus Christ, God is at peace with you through Jesus, the Messiah. Let's pray. So Father, help us. Help us feel 
Help us experience this mercy, this beauty, the truth that your eternal Son became a human being to suffer and to die for us, for our salvation, by bearing your wrath and justice accomplished and confirmed it by being the first human being raised to eternal life forever. Help us believe the gospel to the glory of your name. Amen. So as we come to this passage here in Luke 24, on this first Easter Sunday, there had already been a few resurrection appearances of Jesus. And then the context is these two disciples who met him on the road to Emmaus and had a meal with him in Emmaus, of course, didn't stay there. They made their journey back to Jerusalem and they arrived late at night on that Sunday and they go through the streets to where the hideout is and they find the home and they come through the door and they hear the rest of these disciples tell them these words in verse 34. The Lord has risen indeed and He's appeared to Simon And then they, these two disciples from Emmaus, told what had happened to them on the road and how Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And then notice the next thing. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. So here they are. They're discussing, and others have not seen him yet. But come on, Peter. Really? And they keep talking. And all of a sudden, they don't know how, but Jesus is standing right there. Dead Jesus, whom many of them witnessed as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. They thought it's got to be a vision or it's a ghost. And so Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look, see my hands and my feet. That it is, it's I myself. Go ahead, touch me and see. You see, a ghost or spirit does not have flesh and bones. As you see that I have, I'm not. A spirit in front of you, guys. It's really me. It's the human me. It is body and soul. That's the picture. But this 
resurrected body is not exactly like his previous mortal body. Or like ours is now. You know, where we go to doctors and we get pictures and how much longer do I have to live? That's our state. And it was Jesus's reality. But now it's the same body, but it's different. He simply showed up in that room with closed and locked doors. John tells us the doors were locked in his version. The same way he simply vanished from the dinner table in Emmaus a few hours earlier. And so Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Well, I got an answer. This doesn't happen. It's unprecedented. We saw how dead, dead you were. So it makes sense on a level to not be gullible. What's happening here? They're very close friend, their rabbi, their teacher, whom they saw be tortured to death, has risen from the dead. On that day, he had already, we know, appeared to Mary. He had already appeared to Cleopas and to the other disciple. He already appeared To Peter, they're talking about these things, and then all of a sudden, he is just standing in front of them in that home, and they freak out in the sense that the whole thing is just way too good to be true. It's otherworldly. It's never happened ever before. And they're not gullible. And Jesus knows they need to know again and again. They need to know that this is real. And so he says, look at my hands and my feet, guys and gals. It is really me. It's I. Touch me. Come on. Feel my flesh, in my bones. I am not merely a spirit. A spirit does not have flesh and bones like you see that I have. So do it. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So one message that comes clear in in this account here and the many others that we have in the New Testament, and there are many more that we don't have in the New Testament, is that these disciples, they did not easily believe such ludicrous accounts that a dead man rose to immortality. They were prone, like any sane, rational person, to not believe something like that. 
until they were overwhelmed with evidence. So they are reaching out. Jesus is offering his arms, his hands. They are grabbing them. They're not just hallucinating on acid. They're touching him and talking with him. And in moments, the conditions of these many disciples changed from real doubting to that kind of disbelief that many Gonzaga fans had last night in the semifinals of the national championship. When UCLA ties the score with 3.3 seconds and they inbound the ball and they run down a little bit less than half court, throw the ball up literally with about two-tenths of a second left and it goes in the basket and they're in the championship. And I even saw a video of one of my Facebook friends who's a Gonzaga fan. Someone was videoing their home with about 30 people in there and watched them in disbelief, belief, scream, and yet, and then pause again. Wait, wait a minute. Did it count? Did it really happen? Are we really in? It's that kind of thing. Look how he puts it, verse 41. And while they still disbelieved for joy. Doesn't mean, no, they didn't believe it. They disbelieved for joy. This can it possibly be true? And they were marveling. They're touching him, they're talking with him. The holes are there. And then Jesus moves in for the kill to squash all doubt that may remain. Verse 41. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Hey guys, you got anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it. And he ate it in front of them. They're eating now with him. And talking with him. And he is teaching them. He takes the fish and he puts it into his mouth and he tastes it and he chews it and he swallows physical fish. And this is not the only time Jesus did this. Luke tells us in Acts 1.3, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them again and again and again and again over the next six weeks. Appearing to them during 40 days. And speaking about the kingdom of God. And Peter, in preaching in Cornelius' house, says in Acts 10 to them, But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, 
but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses. That is, to us who ate and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. And so by that first Easter, that Sunday night, these people were no longer doubting the impossible. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so when we say, as we have and we will again this morning, He is risen. He is risen indeed. What are we really saying? What do we mean when we say Jesus was raised from the dead? Okay, This is what we mean. He, like every one of us in here, and He was exactly like us, except He never was in sin, was very human. Human beings are created. So are angels. But human beings are not like angels. Angels do not have a physical aspect to them. Human beings, by definition, do. We are not created as non-material, non-physical beings. We have a non-physical aspect to us that can exist apart from the physical body. We, We have a mind that can think and be self-conscious apart from human physical brainwaves. But it's unnatural, as Paul says. That when death, when the immaterial spirit of, because we're spiritual beings in a physical body, when it separates, it is, he says in Corinthians, it's unnatural to be unclothed. With our physical bodies. And so even right now. All those disciples in that room. Peter. Even. And we in this room. Are still awaiting. The redemption. Of heaven. And earth. And of our bodies. It will happen. When he returns. Salvation is salvation from the judgment of God. And it is salvation unto the saving of humanity through the God-man. Let's go back in the room now to the text. Jesus is standing right there in their midst. This is the resurrected Lord Jesus. Not the resuscitated Jesus. There is a profound difference between what happened a week earlier when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and Jesus' resurrected body right here. Lazarus was dead. Being dead, cared for, placed in the tomb for four days. Days, 
confirmed that fact. His corpse had begun to decompose. It smelled. And then Jesus said, come forth. And pulled him back from death to where he was before. Mortal life. He had to die again. But unlike Lazarus, Jesus emerged from human death to never die again. Romans 6, 9 declares it this way, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer in His human nature has dominion over Him. Lazarus' rising, it was a miracle, but it didn't solve the problem of death, which came through human sin. On the other hand, Jesus' resurrection is, is really a future apocalyptic event that broke off from what is still future to us into human history and raised Him from the dead and defeated death and guaranteed the immortal resurrection of all who belong to Him to be ushered into the beauty and the glory and the joy of God forever. This new resurrection life of Jesus, it's physical, but it is more than physical. It's trans-physical. It's real bodily life. But at the same time, it's unlike any bodily life ever known or seen before. Jesus' resurrection in A.D. 33 is the first instance of God's eschatological renewal of all things. It's a foretaste. His resurrection is the beginning and the initial example of the new creation. It's utterly unlike anything that had ever happened. It still is. But it will happen again to those who are His. Jesus' body in that room is beyond Physics as we know it. This resurrected body can go right through physical things like the grave clothes that were mummified Jesus' body. He didn't get up and start to struggle around and unwrap himself. He went right through them. Just as He showed up in this room, home, with walls and doors that were shut and locked. It's what Paul discussed 
in 1 Corinthians 15. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Paul answers, look, with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Jesus' body is flesh and bone. Transformed in, in such a way that it's able to move through material stuff. Can't relate. The New Testament scholar Daryl Box summarizes it this way. There is no way to distinguish the person of Jesus from the risen Christ, except that His existence now takes place at an additional dimension of reality. They're basically one and the same. A spirit has not taken His place. Nor is He just a spirit. The person buried in the tomb is raised and transformed. In His resurrected state, He clearly is transformed, though in a way that still leaves traces of His former existence. Example, the nail prints in His hands and feet. And so what I want to do with our remaining number of minutes here is to go back again. Let's go back into that room with those brothers and sisters in the Lord and concentrate on what Jesus said to them. And not just to them. But what the resurrected Lord Jesus says to us sinners whom he has brought to himself. Verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Look, it's not merely the Jewish way of saying shalom. Let me show that to you in a minute. It's not just saying hi. It is really saying peace to you. This is the creator of the universe. This is the Lord of heaven and earth. 
This is the real and now forever human being of whom the Apostle Paul said while preaching in Athens, Greece in Acts 17. God has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this, He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. Okay, yeah, back in that room. These people, and particularly His apostles, they're fearful. These guys deserted Him in the garden out of fear on Thursday night. And Jesus was arrested in front of them. And after that, it could not have gone any worse than it did. He didn't get released. Within 16 hours, through brutal torture and whippings, he was pinned to pieces of wood and mocked hour after hour as people went in and out of the gate of Jerusalem right there about a hundred yards away on a hill, knowing the famous preacher who's now on a cross. And now, they have been hiding. Hiding out for fear that that doesn't happen to them. It's His disciples. The Apostle John, he was in this room of our passage that very night there in Jerusalem. And he records it too. And he, he recorded it like this. On the evening... Of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were because of fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When He had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. He's saying to them and to us, Peace. Guys, I'm here in peace. I am your peace. The Apostle Paul explained it this way in Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For... He Himself is our peace. 
The peace that Jesus offers the disciples is the peace that God has with them. The peace that Jesus Himself accomplished when He died on the cross for their sins a few days earlier. It's one of the reasons He showed them His hands and His feet. So feel it. What many of them might have been feeling after they deserted Him in fear and then watched His torturous execution. I don't know what people in wartime might feel if they fled from their buddies and they didn't come back, but they stayed alive. Do they really want to see that person again? Just Peter? I don't know him. And then he shows up after it did not go well. What must they feel? I felt. When they realized my sin, my fear, my cowardice may have gotten him killed. Or, what if you knew God, the resurrected Lord Jesus in his divine nature and omniscience, what if he knew every thought? you have ever thunk? What if he knew every sexual perverted thought you've ever had? What if he knew every form of bitterness that you've ever felt? What if he knew every word and action you have ever Done. What would he say to you then? The answer is if you belong to him, peace. Peace to you. He'd say, Look at my hands. Look at my feet. See and touch where the Roman spear went through. Everyone in that room was a failure, including his mom. Everyone in that room was a sinner, was fearing, doubting his resurrection, which he kept speaking about long before it happened. And yet, because they belonged to him, 
He says to him, Peace to you. What he is saying is the reason I'm offering real peace is because I died in order to remove the barrier between you and God. To all sinners everywhere, this gospel has been going out for 2,000 years and is going out still until he recomes, until he returns. And that is that every sinner everywhere, the message is if you will trust me, Jesus says, if you'll come to me, then none of your sins will be held against you. The wrath of God is turned away from you. That's what the Apostle Paul means when he said, Jesus reconciled us to God by the killing of the hostility between God and us. And he did it by becoming a sin offering for us. And so, non-Christian If you have not fled to Jesus, the message is if you will, if you'll believe the testimony of these men, of these women who ate and drank with Him, and you'll turn with that testimony away from your unrepentant sin and receive the resurrected Lord Jesus as the treasure of eternal happiness that He is, then you can be guaranteed that all of your sins have been nailed to that cross. And that in the future, there is a bodily resurrection unto immortality and into the joy and the glory of the Creator Himself. Don't. Turn away from that free gift of forgiveness. Eternal resurrection. If you'll have Him, Romans 5.1 would include you. Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, let me just close with to those of us who are baptized believers to love Him. As you walk your walk, as you walk with Christ as a new creation and yet a screwed up sinner still. Here's the message. Stop holding on to debilitating guilt. Trust the cross. You may be struggling right now with doubts, fears, anxieties, sin, 
Jesus knows your every thought and feeling in His divine omniscience. Knows it more than you. And yet daily, because you're His, He extends His peace and forgiveness to you. The Hebrew writer, think about this, right after telling us, all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Really? When no one else is around? Yeah. Right after telling us that, He doesn't say, therefore run or flee. He says, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The reality is that Jesus came and He died as a substitute for sins. And then He was the first human being to be transformed. Resurrected from the dead. Never to die again. And He offers eternal forgiveness of sins. And the promise of your own future transformation. Resurrection to life ever after. And it's free. It's a gift. If you'll have it. The crucial ingredient is for each person to believe. Believe this gospel. Believe that message. Believe this news. Believe those chosen historical human beings who were eyewitnesses. And when one does, that person will know that Jesus who showed up in that room in an intimate, powerful way. And every person who believes, no matter how far down the line of that first Sunday, they will know that they know in their knower. That testimony is true. It's the only thing that makes sense out of my conscious existence. An inevitable death and logical judgment, they'll know it. And thus they'll know the hope of the resurrection is true. I'm going to close with the words of the Apostle Paul about our future being raised as Jesus was raised back then from 1 Corinthians 15. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God who gives to us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Because Jesus is risen. Indeed. We can do that now again. Let's just have, let's do that. Come on up. Come on up. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Let's stand and sing as we prepare our hearts as baptized followers of Jesus for communion.